If you would, take out your copy of God's Word, and we will begin today going into the Gospel of John, and we'll read the first 18 verses together. So when you find your place, please stand with me to read in God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John, He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which cometh into the world and enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those that were were his own, did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of uh, man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, And we saw his glory, the glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth was realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten of God, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained Him. Let us pray. Father, as we look into Your words, as we look into the Gospel of John, consider the Holy of Holies, Lord, help us as we do this introduction that we may bring with us an understanding by the introduction given to us. So we pray, Lord, that you would make your glory known, that you would make your presence known in a a mighty and powerful way, that we may look upon your glory in all that you are, and be in awe of your goodness, your mercy, and your grace, in all of your holiness, your pureness, your immutability, Lord, help us and give us eyes right now to see your splendor. Give us ears that would cause us to be in awe of your goodness. Lord, give us a heart right now, Lord, to receive your word. And so, Lord, 
We pray that just as in the Old Testament tabernacle, and just as we see here in your word, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. We pray that you make your presence known, that we may leave here today, hallelujah, what a Savior, would be our song forever on our lips, that you are a God of mercy and grace. Lord, we pray for your help, that you may receive the glory of it all. Lord, we pray for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. I really have a desire just to do an introduction today, uh, and I would just give you some history here about the book of John. One thing that comes right off is the who. In the book of John, John means graced by God. I don't know about you, but if I was John, I would uh, really enjoy that. Being graced by God. God is gracious. Although mentioned 30 times in the other gospel, John does not mention his name here. We have a picture of the, the humbleness of John knowing that God called him out and that he was one of the disciples that Jesus loved. Do you realize that's you? If you're a lover of Jesus Christ today, you are a disciple that Jesus loves it's not, oh, how I love him, but oh, how he loves me. And how gracious it is, gracious it is that he would show us these things. John was also the son of Zebedee, the brother of James, also known as the sons of thunder. We also know that by grace, John was called out and his brother James. They were working one day. Mending nets, Jesus walked by and said a couple of words to him. Follow me. Powerful words. Effectual words. So we see that it is by grace that John was called out. It is by grace that John is able to say he is one of the disciples that Jesus loved it is by grace that we're able to say that same thing. If you're a lover of Jesus Christ today, you are graced by God. Amen? This is the power of God upon our lives. Praise God. We read in the Scripture today, it's not by blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That should rattle our life. That very words of that should just make us worship him. And so as we think about a couple things here, Zebedee was a Palestinian Jew, and a very uh, little is known of his father and less of the mother. In the book of Mark tells, or Matthew, it tells us in uh, 27 that she was there when Jesus heard the uh, the satirians say, truly this was the Son of God. She witnessed that. And to our shame, we see that the men were scattered, but the women stayed around in the process of that. And so we see that 
They were called out by God. And so when we think about the the mercy of God, we, we see that God will have mercy on whom he will have mercy. So what is the fourth gospel? It presents the eternal word has now become flesh. The good news is that God stepped off his throne and took on flesh because this God is a relational God. This God is not a God of religion. Man, doesn't that free you up? We get to love and worship God not because we have to, because we're driven by the want to. Is That should just explode our hearts here this morning. Not physically, okay? But spiritually, that we may just in awe of God and why would he do something as gracious as that? But we know the answer to that because the Bible's clear as for his own glory. The glory of his grace. This is why he saves people like us. So when was it written? It was written between 70 A.D. and 100 A.D. and believed that in the uh, in the uh, Roman Empire, when uh, it was written in Ephesus, in, in the time of the Roman Empire, had already taken over many things in the uh, surrounding area. We believe when uh, Brother Chris, uh, Pastor Chris, comes up and starts expounding uh, the Book of Revelation, we'll see and we'll get an idea that it was in around uh, 100 A.D. and that's given and take a 20-year back and forth. It depends on who you looked at to get that information. To who was it written? It was written to every tongue, country, the whole nation, a mix of people. Why was it written? It was written that these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing is that you might have life in his name. That's why the Gospel of John was written. In order for you to believe, that might is not a question mark as we use it. The might is more in order, uh, in order that you may believe, that he empowers you with the gift of believing by God, and you're graced by God, and that we see in 21-24 of John, this is the disciple who is testifying to these things and wrote these things that we may know his testimony is true. Now, when I go and look at the, the picture that we have before us today talking about the Gospels, it's going to take us into the wilderness of the tabernacle. And I want you to keep that in mind as we run through this because when we get to the verse of uh, 14, I think it is, where he dwelt among us, that is actually talking about his tent. He, he has, he's tabernacling among us. Have you got over that? We read that this morning, but have you gotten over that God is tabernacling among us and now he dwells in us. Now we went from a tent. We now have a temple. And the temple, we are the temple of God. God dwells in That just, it, that should change our life in such a way that, man, oh, how I love Jesus. 
He, he tabernacled among us. Do you believe that? Because if you believe that, you're, it's going to change your life. And so as we look at the, the book of Matthew, we see the encampment. And, and before I get this, I want to tell you about something happened Saturday morning when the men of God got together, the men that were wanting to pray to the, the God of all glory. We were basically in a circle, and all our Bibles were in front of us. So everything that was in the circle, first the Word of God, and what was in the middle of that was God Himself coming down. We have that tabernacle picture of God coming and meeting with His people. And studying this, I saw that very picture there as the wilderness tabernacle in the Old Testament, thinking about the tabernacle itself when God's people surround it, right? I told them to remember this. God's people surround it, uh, was surrounded by his people. And the center of their lives is God. The very center of their lives was God because after the encampment around, he was told to make an, uh, a, a tabernacle, which is a tent, right? He had a fence around it. We have the encampment we, that says, behold your God. Now think about this being in the wilderness and you being on, looking through a drone's eyes, looking down at that, you would see in the center of that would be the tabernacle of God. Uh, surrounding that in a spe uh, special order, but surrounding that were the people of God. And what were they doing? God is in the center of their life, center of their worship, and the center of the encampment of God's people. The question that comes to mind, is God truly the center of your life? This is a question that comes to mind. When we see challenges like this, we see, is God really the, the center of my life? Or is God's second place? Well, that would get you killed in the Old Testament. So we see that, behold your king, out of the encampment of Matthew. In the book of Mark, we see the outer court where we have the, you first come in the gate. Jesus says, I am the gate. We go in the first gate there into the, uh, the fencing of the, the tabernacle. The first court, called the outer court, we go into there. And the first thing we do when we go in there is make a sacrifice. Give a sacrifice unto the Lord for our sins, and we will progress in that. Then we wash up, wash our hands and our feet, Mark focuses on ushering in the kingdom of God. We have here in Mark, behold your servant that is doing the work as a servant of God within the inner court of the tabernacle. There also in the inner court we have with the high priestly man we have in the book of Luke, we have behold the man. So right now we have in Matthew, behold your king. In Mark, we have behold your servant. In Luke, we have behold the man. The picture of the priestly work that was done among the men, keeping the showbread on the table, Lord, and keeping the light, the candlestick, keeping that lit forever. And also the, the altar of incense to keeping the incense going as well. So they had work to do within the tabernacle. Behold the man that's doing this work right here. Right? All of this is a picture of Christ. And this is why I bring this up. And I hope it's a blessing to you. It was for me. And I, I pray that it is for you. But when, you, when we look at the things that emphasizes here, we, 
We see in Luke, he emphasizes welcome to the outsider, one that could come no matter what, uh, uh, what area you're from, no matter what religion, whatever. You could come in the front gate, and God has made a sacrifice for you. But if you come in the front gate, it's because he's effectually calling you into the front gate. Okay, so we'll see that in the book of John. It's the effectual power of God's Word. In the, in the Old Testament, we had, uh, it was a more of an outward appearance that happened a lot, but we also see in the book of John now, in the book of John, we enter into the inner courtroom. We enter into the Holy of Holies, the very presence of God, where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the mercy seat was at, all of this, I pray that you're seeing a clear picture of what Christ has done for us. In this meeting place, Christ would come down. I mean, uh, the, the glory of God would come down uh, above the Ark of the Covenant and meet with his people. He would meet with his people. Did you get that? He would meet with his people. God is a God of relations. Amen? That's wonderful stuff. Aren't you glad that it's not about a religion and doing all the steps, but it's a God that has worked in your life that you desire Him? And we are to be that living sacrifice. Roman brings that out clearly. So here we see, behold our God. The God, a very God. I hope that when we think about this, that he would truly give us eyes to see his grace even in the Old Testament. We see the tabernacle was for us in the wilderness. We also see where Jesus, we got some similarities that I want to pull out for you as well. We see the similarities of uh, Jesus was led up in the spirit into the wilderness. When I go through this, I want you to think about what Christ, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is doing for us. It's an amazing picture when we look at how merciful God is. We also have the tabernacle of the outwardly humble, unattractive. Outside of that was nothing about it. But we also see the uh, recognition that in uh, Isaiah 53, we see that he was nothing to look at in the sense of uh, attraction on the outside. But the tabernacle was where God met with men. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. The tabernacle was, was where uh, sacrifice for sins of God's people were made. Listen, in Hebrews 10, it says this, but he hath offered one sacrifice for sins for all time set down at the right hand of God. He sat down, the high priestly uh, the priest had to constantly be washing himself and preparing himself to come into the presence of God for an atonement of sin, but he had to be right with God first. But to temporarily satisfy that, where we have a picture of Christ, he paid the sins, our sin debt, in full and complete. Do you believe that? 
incomplete. It doesn't give us permission to sin, but it gives us the desire not to. So we're driven by the heart as we look upon this Christ, and, and he sat down. Jesus sat down. The priest came out. First thing he had to do, start all over. It took him a year to get to that place where he could come into the presence of God for a little while. We see also that the mercy seat was sprinkled with blood. And Jesus made that sacrifice for us. The tabernacle was a place of worship. Where uh, uh, Downey Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Looking upon Jesus today, what do you see? We see that he did, he did tabernacle among us. That Jesus walked the face of the earth. And he had to be all God and he was all man at the same time, not a mixture. Without the shedding of blood, we are going to be looking at the Lord's table here in just a few minutes. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Without Jesus being God, there's no payment of sin. Holy justice would not have been satisfied. But I still think when I, when I look back to this, when we think about his incarnation, his life, his death and resurrection, we look that he walked among people. And we see that, that he tabernacled among us. Tabernacle was in the wilderness contained display of God's glory. We see that in Exodus 40. Even more, we do behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Do you? Do we? How do we get there? Well, we humble ourselves before him. Say, Lord, show me your glory. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God, who said, Light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge and of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. We see that John is different than the rest of the Gospels. One, John doesn't have any parables in his Gospels. He has allegories, which is different. But we see in John, John wrote, the gospel and the epistles and also the book of Revelation, again, which is coming up soon. 90% of what's written in John is not written in the other gospels. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Matthew begins with Abraham and traces the generations down to Jesus as a Jewish focus of the Messiah. Mark begins at the ba Jesus' baptism and to give an, uh, the portray the, uh, primarily as the authoritative miracle working son of God. Luke begins with the surroundings of Jesus' birth and makes connections of the outcast, the outsiders, and even to the one with the Greek background in mind. And so, John says, in the beginning. In the beginning. Have you ever thought about that? Before there, were a hev there was the heavens, the earth, the sky, winds, or anything to that effect. In the beginning, 
God created the heavens and earth. In the beginning, we see God. He takes us all the way back to the very first words given in Scripture. He covers it all the way back. John is concerned about truth. This gospel is the gospel of truth. This gospel is the gospel of belief. And truth and belief and truth and obedience, have love and obedience, none of these have been separated one from another. It is the mercy of God that we have here today. And a total of uh, 45 times, John talks about truth in his epistle and gospel. 80 times he talks about love. A hundred times in his gospel, he uses the word believe, and that is believing. You don't believe one time ever. You have a beginning to the verb believe, but you don't have an end. And it's an action word. It's a verb that we put into play into our lives because we have believed and we continue to believe and to grow in our faith by the Word of God, by truth, by love, by the appearance of God, uh, and all that he, is show, he shows us in His Word. Uh, we are some blessed people to even have the Bible in our hands this morning. We're blessed people to live in a, a place that the gospel in some sort is everywhere. Doesn't mean all of it's healthy, but it does mean it is out there. The Word of God is so important into our lives, and we have testimony of that, is that without the Word of God, we'd have no hope. Without the Word of God and the coming of the Holy Spirit, we would not believe, because the heart has to be changed. But over a hundred times, the word belief is in there. So the gospel of John is a gospel about truth, love, belief. He uses the word light 30 times in his gospel. He is understanding the, that life is mentioned 36 times. So what is John about? They are all complimenting one another. But John, when we go into John, John's about truth. And what's going to set you free? The truth is what's going to set you free. What is that truth? The truth of who God is, what he has done, and what he's going to do, and what he has done in you and now dwells in you. The truth of God and the things that we have before us today is uh, John is more interested in theology than the demographics that, uh, uh, that is given in the other Gospels. He's not interested in everything else. He wants to give the idea that Jesus is fully God and fully man at the same time. Not mixed, but truly uh, the hypo, uh, uh, hypostatic, hypostatic, I'll get there in a minute. He'll come to me. <laughs> the, word, the word tabernacle, actually tabernacle among us, and when we think about how clear that is in the Gospel of John, you have so much evidence before you today, you'll not be able to point to God and say, I didn't know. Everybody on this earth has so much evidence given to them today that they have no excuse but to believe that the true tabernacle is the son of the living God, and he came to us to show us what had to be done in order that 
we can have a relationship with Him. We also see in the Scripture, we see the uh, pre-existence, the coexistence, and the self-existence. We see the aseity of God, which God did not need to do any of this. Why did He do it? For the glory of His grace. Why did He do it? As many of you have heard me say it over many times, is that why did He do it? Because God the Father, which we will see in John 17, years from now, John 17 says, they were yours, and I haven't lost one, and now I bring them back to you. He paid the penalty in full. So, and again, Romans 5 tells us that it's the love of God that's, that's in the midst of that pours out upon us that we may love God, love Jesus. And it all began in the beginning. Now, I don't know about you, but I hope this is a blessing in heart. Just think about the God-man pre-existed before anything was. He was never a created being, no matter what the heretics say from the JWs, the false JWs, because we are the Jehovah's Witness, amen? When we talk about who God is, not that cult that's out there that's twisted to God, that the word, uh, the word is a God, right? No, Jesus Christ is the God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The blessed Trinity is the one that said unto us, come. One day while you were doing whatever you were doing, he said, come. And no matter what other people think, he wouldn't dare violate that. Your free will, praise God that he didn't ask me first. Because left to myself, I would still be in my sin. But God overcomes your will and draws you. And you effectually come unto him. You drop everything and come unto him. And the gospels are written for this very thing that we may speak to the I am. Isn't that wonderful? I can't get enough of that. I can just, it just gets better all the time just thinking about, man, how good God is. I owe him everything. Everything. My focus, my cent center of my life should be coming, that he is the center of our lives. The gospel is written. In the gospel of John, we have the seven I am statements, metaphorical statements, meaning that out of Exodus, we see when Moses says, who shall I say when the people say, who, who shall I say to send me? And he replied to Moses, say, I am that I am. You know what that means? It's kind of like, like this right here, the holy, holier, holiest, right? It's in a superlative matter that there's no one greater than the I am. That's wonderful stuff. When Jesus is claiming to be God himself right before their very eyes, we see that he added his seven I am statements. We have the bread of life. We have the light of the world. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. 
I am. He is saying, Jesus is saying, I am God. And there is no other. There'll be no gods before him. There'll be no gods after him. He is the only true God that we have. When the Shekinah glory of God came and met with his people, things changed. And when God meets with us, things change. Why? Because you cannot come in contact with something as large as God is and not be changed forever. Isn't that the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he tells us that he is God himself in making a way for us. Man, oh, how we love Jesus. May that be our song today forevermore. Listen what it says here about the signs. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing that you may have life in his name. Do you believe? Because that's the question. And that's the question to be brought to us all the way through the Gospel of John. Do you believe? How do you know that you believed? What does believing look like? Well, I'm glad you asked because you're asking the right person. It's John, you're asking John. John's going to tell us about what this looks like, amen? Not Wesley, John. So we see that when he says, I am, I am the good shepherd. Do you want any other? I am the the way, meaning the door, as we look into the, the east side of the gate, the, the gate, the, I am the door. He is at the door right there, and he only those could come in this way. As we have a, shep, uh, a sheep pen, only has one door to it. Just like we have in this uh, picture of the Old Testament, this one entrance to us, that's the gate. And the first thing is, Lord, I have to be that living sacrifice unto you because you're drawing me in by the presence of the Almighty God. So many other things here that Jesus tells us about himself, but he is the, the God, a very God. He is ascribing the God, God's covenant name to himself. Guard that, brothers and sisters, and do not let anybody else take that from you. But if, you, if this has had an effect on you, you'll guard that very carefully. The gospel is about him. It's the good news that he come, he came and spoke to you and I. And what does he say? He says, come. That's all he needs to say. That's all he needs to say. Just like when he created the earth, one word. So we go on and we see also in the, the book of John that we will go through, uh, we have seven signs. Seven signs will be doing the same thing as these, uh, these seven I am statements is pointing us to Christ. In the gospel of John, we have these seven signs. They're not miracles. He puts them in another form, meaning signs. Signs lead to something or someone, right? Miracles to show you about the person, but the signs, they are pointing, pointing to what? To Jesus, as he is the God of all glory and of all power and authority has been given to him. 
In those seven signs, we have the turning the water into wine, healing of the nobleman's son, healing of the impotent man, defeating of the 5,000, walking on water, healing of the blind man, and raising Lazarus. And we see that there's so much more to, to be said for this. But most of all, we have to understand and God is the one that gives the understanding that he is God, and we will give an account before him. And we all, nobody in here deserves to have a Bible. No one deserves to be forgiven. There was only one good man that ever walked this earth. He never sinned. He laid his life down for us. And all of this points to the signs that Jesus is God, a very God. And he's the only one that could pay the penalty for us. Let the, I have been in the gospel of John for a long time, many separate times, but a long time over the last 10 years, and it just gets better as we go. One of the things that you get out of the doctrines, uh, I mean, what you get out of the uh, gospel of John is the, the doctrines of grace. The doctrines of grace, if you don't know it, is total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible calling or effectual calling, perseverance of the saints. We are to have a right Christology and who he is. And I tell you, and I pray that when we look at this God and how he has, uh, uh, he, he is about relations. He has a relationship with his son, right? He has a relationship. Jesus has a relationship with his creation. He has a relationship with mankind, Right and never needing anything, but yet he moves in the area that is not about you doing all the right things correctly and perfectly as in the Old Testament had to be, which always failed, right? Because he is a better Moses. He is a better Daniel. He is a better David. He is a better everything out of the Old Testament. Now it's the New Testament. Therefore, he dwelt among us. Aren't you glad you saved by God, through God, and into God? Because now we can come into to the Holy of Holies through the veil that was torn from the top to bottom. Even his veil that was tore top to bottom. We may enter into the presence of God. So, as looking at this as the stopping point here, just kind of bringing everything together here. After 400 years of enslavement, they came out from the wilderness 400 years, there was not a prophet in the land. 40 years in the wilderness, we have 40 days in the wilderness of Christ coming out. We have a high priest that stood, and now we have a high priest that sat down, setting these things in order. God meets with his people. He gives us the boldness to come into God 
from every part, the, the instance of prayer, all the way back to the, the sacrifice that was made. Aren't you glad for the Gospels and also the Gospel of John? As we proceed, I'm not going to go on to verses 1 and 3 or 5. And so I want you to think about this today. What do you think about this God? What are your thoughts about looking upon the Word of God as the actual truth of what took place? If it's just mere words on the t- uh, before you, that's all it'll ever be. But God's Word steps out. God's Word has that effect on us. God has the, word, the way to cause us to look upon the glory of the only begotten Son of God. We're just beginning in the sense of learning more about this God and the doctrines of grace and just doctrines in general. But how God, how good God is. The question that leads me here is that, do you have a relationship with this God? God never needed anything, but he calls his children. He paid the price that we may come in. We see the bridge from the divinity to the humanity. God is in the world, and uh, the word uh, God is at the word in eternity. God is Jesus created the universe. Jesus is the light that brings lights to the very world, to the very soul of you, enlightening you to see who you are and who he is. In the beginning, God. What does that mean to us? May we meditate on these things. Contemplate what God has laid out for us today just as we get ready to step into the Word. Let us pray. Father, we do thank you for being so gracious, Lord, so kind. We thank you for the picture that you've given us by coming down in the wilderness, by coming down in the New Testament. We thank you for the picture that you drew out for us in every part of the Old Testament tabernacle pointed to you. Lord, help us to see and examine our relationship. Help us to understand. You're the only one that can save us. We pray if we do not know you, but just know about you, that you would help us, Lord, that we may call upon your name, hear the effectual calling, call upon your name to be saved from you, through you, and to you.
Help us this day. In Jesus' name, amen.